shares what you have laid on his heart. Help us to be attentive. Help us to learn, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. Brother Paul taught the instruction class this morning on the the assurance of salvation and um, spent uh, a significant amount of time on uh, the portion there where um, there's there's conditions to having or claiming the assurance of salvation and uh, just the many verses that um, call us uh, to trust in God, to live for God, to obey his commands and um, I think it's safe to say that when those conditions are met, uh, God's people who are saved should be the most joyous, confident uh, people on the earth. Um, I read this story some time ago. <clears throat> this happened uh, probably a hundred or two years, hundred or two hundred years ago, of a man who who needed to cross a, a body of water, a lake, as I remember it and it was covered with ice, but he hesitated to do it because uh, he, wasn't, he was concerned the ice wasn't thick enough to, to support him, uh, fearing well, lest he would, you know, break through the ice, get wet and cold and maybe even drown. And so considering uh, that, he, he got down on all fours and he spread his body horizontally over the ice as much as he could, uh, thinking that if he distributed his weight uh, evenly, the chances of breaking through would be minimalized. And as he crossed the lake, uh, propelling himself with his arms and legs, uh, slowly getting across, uh, constantly worried lest he break through, he was about halfway across when he noticed that behind him was a, a team of workhorses uh, pulling a, a stone sled uh, filled with uh, a load of coal. And these, this, this, uh, this team of horses, along with this uh, stone sled, uh, begins crossing the lake and clipping by him at a, at a fast uh, pace of, of speed. And as he looked up and he uh, watched that take place uh, from his horizontal position on the ice, he, he realized uh, and considered the foolishness of, of what he was doing. And, I, and a number of times when, when Jesus was on the earth, he chided his disciples with the words, O ye of little faith. And I'm wondering if that illustration of that man crossing the ice isn't a pretty good example of what my faith and trust in God looks like sometimes. Oh, ye of little faith. I tend to, to worry and get a bit hesitant at times to, to cross the lake when uh, I'm just not sure I'm willing to take God at his word or believe and trust in him fully. And as each of us reflects back over the past 12 months, uh, the year 2021, were there, were there actually times when um, it justified us getting down on the ice and, and just, you know, hesitantly doing what we know God wants us to do? 
Was, was there times when it actually just, we were actually justified in doing that? When we really should have been confidently walking with joy, confidently walking with assurance that, that, that God's trustworthy here. He, he's, um, he's, he's got this one too. And possibly, as you know, as we think about approaching a new year, uh, maybe it'd be profitable for us to, to begin listing a number of events or happenings this past year that, that caused us to fear, caused us to, uh, to be afraid, stole our confidence and joy, took up way too much time and energy that should have been redeemed otherwise. I don't know if there's confessions or testimonies from anyone or not, but uh, maybe. But I think an exercise like that will, will maybe help us see the futility of doing much of it in the next 12 months. I'd guess that man on the ice felt pretty stupid. And I think, you know, things even like, you know, an overwhelming concern with COVID. Uh, the whole world, our society, is so concerned with our physical health, it's about all we can get together at Christmas time and talk about. Really, is that, is that, should that take up so much of our time and energy? We're no better than the world if that's what we do. Yeah, True. You know, and Sam, you're right. If you, if you actually believe that the afterlife, finishing up here on earth, doesn't have anything better to offer, then it maybe makes sense to be so concerned about that. But it's problematic, like Sam said, if, if, uh, if believers fall into that same obsession. For clearly for us, the, the best is, 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 is yet to come. Uh, you noticed, uh, hopefully you noticed in your bulletin this morning that uh, next Sunday morning, Glenn Miller uh, plans to be here preaching a message entitled, Avoiding Modern Idolatry. And Glenn was given this assignment. It was also suggested that in his study, uh, he can include things such as obsession with health, materialism, professional sports, and, and many other things. I encourage us to consider and pray what God might have to show us in relation to what is modern idolatry. Idolatry was something God hated when he saw it happening in, in, in his people in the Old Testament. I, I guess he hates it just as much today. No, our concern isn't so much that we are falling down in front of images made of, of wood and stone or carvings. But it does matter. It does matter what is really important to us. Does God have our heart today? And as we approach and make plans for 2022, does he really have our affections and our loyalty? Is, is our eye single? Or are we foolishly trying to serve two masters, which he said, you can't do it. As you read the history of God's people under the old covenant, every time idolatry reared its, its ugly head in the lives of his people, God allowed or initiated difficult, painful times for his own children 
to help them see that he, he, he wasn't interested in allowing just them, he wasn't interested in allowing them to self-destruct. And so he would send, he'd send their enemies in and they'd take them captive. And his ways, his commands, his call in our lives is still worthy of our trust and faith in. And I, I just recommend that we do better than we did the past year. I recommend I do better. Uh, confidently walking in his ways. Well, I'm currently uh, reading through Revelation in my personal Bible reading, and one of the significant ex expectations he has from us, from his sons and daughters, uh, is the call to be an overcomer. To him that overcometh. I think it says it at least seven times in the first few chapters, and I think he, I think he, it was an expectation, a call he had on every one of the seven churches. To him that overcometh. So well, Regina and I were both reading uh, through this book this past week, and we talked about it that uh, God tells us he sends a blessing on those who read the words of this prophecy. If you're still at Revelation chapter 1, it says in verse 3 that Paul read, Blessed is he that readeth. And so I'm just using that uh, short phrase for a message title this morning. Blessed is he that readeth. Now I have to confess that the last book of the Bible is not my favorite. Um, however, because I'm told by God, that reading it is going to result in a blessing for me. I decided, well, it'd probably be appropriate for me to be a little more diligent and put a little more effort into reading uh, this prophecy this year to hopefully understand why he says Blessed is he that readeth. So, if God tells us that, takes the time to pen these words, blessed is he that readeth this prophecy, there's probably good reason for it. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, it probably should be noted that God doesn't preface or introduce the book of Ephesians or 1st and 2nd Timothy uh, with this introduction. Blessed is he that readeth Ephesians. Uh, or even the Gospels. You know, books that I, I are more my faves. Preferred reading for me. But I don't see him at introduction declaring this sort of reading or this sort of blessing on the, on the reader. That probably should be reason enough to sit up and eagerly read Revelation. Because when God, sends he, when God says he's going to send a blessing, uh, we don't want to be missing it. So I have two prominent uh, themes in the morning message. The first one is a renewed commitment to read the word of God. And secondly, this call to be an overcomer. So as we again think about this verse here, the text that Paul read, 
Revelation 1. So the responsibility, the conditions in receiving the blessing is what? In verse 3. I see three conditions. What are they? Readeth, hear, and keep. Well, I'm grateful it doesn't say one needs to understand it fully to have the blessing, because I don't understand it fully. But that's not the requirement for the blessing, is it? Well, yeah, some understanding is probably needed to keep those things that are written therein. But understanding at least the eschatology piece, uh, figuring out how it's all going to go down here in the end, I don't see that as a requirement for the blessing. And I think uh, you know, for, for, that has been for me as a, as a young person uh, a rather negative and dis, distasteful piece of my experience with this book. Um, I observed some men and women who were sure they understood the eschatology part at the expense of differing very sharply with some other men and women who said they understood it. Do you? And uh, all of them, both camps, claiming adamantly that they're right and correct. Now, we know that in a situation like that, both can't be right and correct. I remember even going to Calvary Bible School and some brothers hardly even being able to teach together because they had such sharp differences in eschatology. I recommend to us that more effort should be placed on reading, hearing, and keeping. Reading, hearing, and keeping versus an, insi versus an insistence that uh, we have the right interpretation on how it's all going to go down. After all, isn't that the very reason that most of those who thought they knew how Jesus was going to come missed it? in his first coming? How can any good thing come out of Nazareth? This don't fit in with our understanding of his arrival. How can the Messiah, when he is an illegitimate child born from a man named Joseph, be our Messiah? Born and conceived out of wedlock. This isn't the Messiah. This doesn't fit in with, it, with our understanding of, of the prophecies. I repeat a wise brother's words. He says that when it comes to eschatology, we be very careful and gracious toward each other on our preferred understood persuasions. Because I expect even the best of us will be surprised, will be surprised, maybe even astounded on how it will yet unfold. The word overcometh is translated from the Greek word Nikonti, N-I-K-O-N-T-I, it means to carry off in victory, or carry off the victory. The verb implies a battle is at hand or in focus, overcometh. A lot of the more recent Bible translations use the word conqueror in place of overcomer. It means to subdue, to be victorious over. An overcomer is one who heeds God's words. It's those who do what he asks, many times enduring hardship or, 
or persecution for doing so. Overcomers are followers of Christ who successfully resist the power of temptations of the world systems. An overcomer is not sinless, but he is fast and constant in his faith and trust in Jesus until the end. That's an overcomer. The world walks in darkness, but overcomers walk in the light. We are overcomers in Christ. We walk in his light, by his truth, and we overcome because of the power that he sends our way. An overcomer is not one who, who gives up easily. Times get difficult. He keeps on overcoming. Overcoming requires complete dependence upon God for direction, for purpose, for fulfillment, for strength to do what he says. If he says cross the lake, you don't even need a question whether it's a good idea or not, or whether it'll be safe. I love the example of the Apostle Paul when God got through to him on, on the Damascus Road. You, you see Paul just doing an about face. Okay, he, he, just, he just turns around and, and lives so differently than what he did before. Oh, he had some rough times after that. He had lots of disappointments, opposition and persecutions. That was significant in his life, even after he did the about face. I think he is a tremendous model of an overcomer. I'd like for us to look at a few passages that tell us of the importance of spending time and valuing the Word of God. First of all, let's turn to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 3. Let's begin reading in verse 15. I think here we have a passage that God gives us that uh, will equip us for success. 2 Timothy 3.15 And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, I would guess that all of us would like to be this man or woman of God that is perfect and thoroughly furnished as we enter a new year. Everything we find ourselves involved in and engaged in were perfectly and thoroughly furnished. Rick Renner, he tells a story about his father. He says, uh, my dad, when I was growing up, he loved to go fishing. And as the years passed, his love for fishing grew more intense. And so he purchased himself a boat so that he could go out on the lake and, would, and could fish anywhere he wanted to out there. He wasn't limited to fishing from the dock or from the shores. He could move around in the lake on his boat. 
Rick says, I remember his boat very well, his first boat. Um, it was just a plain, simple, ordinary boat with nothing but a, a little small motor and two wooden oars for rowing in case the motor gave out. Just a, a little boat. But he said, like most serious fishermen, my dad wasn't content with the beginner's boat very long. He had to have something better, something nicer and more seriously equipped. So he swapped out his simple boat for a rig that was completely decked out with any, every imaginable device. It had a huge motor, a trolling motor, a depth finder, a computerized temperature gauge, a, a sophisticated fish locator. Even the anchor, he said, was operated by a special electric motor. He finally had the boat of his dreams, loaded with everything he could have ever imagined on a fishing boat. Well, believe it or not, when the Apostle Paul describes what the Word of God does in our lives here in this passage in 2 Timothy 3, he uses a Greek word that illustrates a well-decked boat such as Fisherman Renner had. Let's read again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The, the word, the phrase, that the two words, thoroughly furnished, is translated from the Greek word exardes, E-X-A-R-T-I-D-Z-O, which means to completely deck out or fully supply. This is the kind of boat that Fisherman Penner finally had. Had everything he needed to be the most successful fisherman ever. The word describes a ship that had previously been ill-equipped for fishing or traveling, but because its owner had decked it out with new equipment and up-to-date gear, this ship had, or his boat had now become thoroughly furnished to fish like no other fisherman ever did. The boat was fully supplied, completely equipped, and thoroughly furnished. So the Bible says that the Word of God will do that for us. When we come to Jesus for initial salvation, we might get a boat kind of like uh, Fisherman Penner there had, Renner had there at the beginning. One that's okay to start out fishing in. Babes who maybe are still on milk. But really not the kind of, of boat that's going to do real well when it, uh, a significant storm comes up, an adverse storm. As, as believers, we can expect some, some difficult times ahead. Bible says that's going to be our lot. Therefore, if you're going to make it, if you're going to do well, you need a well-equipped boat. You see, when a believer never reads the Word of God, never meditates on its truths, doesn't regularly renew his mind with the Word, he's just a little like that first, first boat that uh, Fisherman Penner had. Ah, it's okay if, if you're just out in a, you know, in a calm little body of water, maybe catching a few little sunnies. But as I understand God here, he wants us to be well equipped for adverse and for difficult times. And his word will do that for us. 
God's word working in our heart, changing our mind, renewing our mind, outfits the believer, decks him out, equips him, furnishes him with every, everything he needs to be successful. So maybe we should ask ourselves, how far do we want to go in life? How successful do we want to be as a follower of Jesus? How much difference do we actually want to make in the kingdom of God? You want to be a real fisherman or just someone out in a little lake piddling around with minnows? Reading, hearing, and keeping the word. Let's turn now to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 has a whole list of blessings and benefits that come to those who allow God's word to be important to them. We're just going to look at a few of them. Let's start reading in verse 7, Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. We'll leave off reading there. Let, let's just look briefly at, at this list of blessings and gifts that, that come to us, that will, that will be there for us if we get serious about reading, hearing, and keeping. So we have there in, in the first uh, verse that we read, verse 7, conversion of the soul. I don't know if you've ever thought much about the word conversion or not, but it's actually a, a pretty exciting word, a pretty exciting reality. It's the process of changing or causing something to switch from one to the other. It's converting it. In God's economy, it takes something and changes it into a presence that is beautiful and useful. Conversion. Conversion of the soul happens when you, when you really love God's word. Also says making wise those who are simple. I'd like a little more of that. Well, God's word will do that for us if, if we want it bad enough. Going from a conversion of being simple to someone who is wise. Who, who wouldn't want that? How, how much motivation do we need to read the Word of God? Going from simple to wise. Cause one's heart to rejoice. Frankly, I see way too many Christians walk around with long faces. Discouraged, depressed, always grumbling, complaining that their ship hasn't come in yet? I wonder, I wonder how much time 
those people are 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 you how much time they're they're taking to read and meditate on God's word. I highly suspect that such people read very much at all because of what God says here. I know God takes us through some difficult times at times. But where's the joy in the journey? Where's the joy of looking forward to what's ahead? Where's the trust in an almighty God? Cause one hearts to rejoice. Enlightening your eyes. Verse 9 tells us this cleansing that comes into our lives. The ability to make judgments that are true and correct. I'd like a little more of that too. I've made some stupid decisions already. Verse 11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So I understand here, one who reads and is familiar with the Bible's directives and commands receives warning ahead of time of something that's dangerous coming down the road. He actually gets warning up ahead that something is, something, there's some danger coming down the pike. I've read of some businesses that actually pay big dollars to smart people to do this for them. There's a downturn coming or there's, a, there's an economic uh, thing up ahead that you, you really need to be aware of. Well, God does it free of charge. If only we would read and hear and keep. It also says here that you'll have great reward for doing this. Have you thought recently about how much God could reward you if he chooses to? How much, how much reward is at his disposal anyhow? Yeah, undescribable. As we wrap this up this morning, I ask us, what more, what more motivation do we need? And what more motivation do we need to read, to hear, and to keep? I'm going to back up to verse 10 just a little bit. And look at the one thing in life that probably motivates all of us. Lots of money. I guess most of us get up in the morning with the intent of just making a little bit more today than we had yesterday. I don't know how you all are. But God, God knows us pretty good. Uh, we all get motivated by the possibility of a little more dollars in our pocket. And so he tells us in verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. So the word of God is something that is very, very valuable. It should be viewed by us as that which is worth more than gold. 
more than much fine gold. I read yesterday that an ounce of gold is worth about $1,900 to $2,000. An ounce of gold is not very much gold, by the way. So most of us get up every day and go to bed every night with the privilege of every day reading the Word of God that is much, much more valuable than many, many ounces of gold. It's free for the taking. I'm not sure why we're not doing more of it. I'm not sure why I'm not doing more of it. In my experience, 15 minutes of reading every day will easily get you through the complete Bible every single year. You don't have to spend a lot of time to get through the whole Bible every year. I can do it in 15 minutes every morning. Now, I don't know how valuable you think uh, 15 minutes is out of your day. Maybe somebody would like to tell me. How, how valuable is 15 minutes of your time? Well, if you make $30 an hour, that's a whole $7.50. You think you have time, 15 minutes for God and his word? I remember somebody telling me, oh, this has probably been 10, 20 years ago, that if Bill Gates sees a $100 bill laying on the sidewalk, it's not worth his time. He can't justify the time to stop and pick it up because his time is so valuable that it just wouldn't make sense. It'd be a little like me maybe getting a, trying to get a penny out of the crack in the sidewalk. In other words, his time is too valuable to waste it like that. Well, I think the reverse of that supposedly scenario is true for the follower of Jesus. We cannot afford to not stop and take time to read God's word. We cannot afford to not stop and take time to read his word. As valuable as we think our daylight hours are, or our nighttime hours, whatever hours you want to use, we're only fooling ourselves to argue with God here. I know I just stated a double negative, and I'm told that grammar teachers would fail me for that. We cannot afford to not stop and take time to read God's word. I decided not to rephrase it because I want it to stick, okay? It's something you can't afford. You really, we really need the word of God in our lives. We think there's some pretty important things for us to do in 2022. But most of them, most of them, will fail in comparison to getting this into our system. Based on what we know to be true, based on what we know God's word is telling us, that 15 minutes is some of the most profitable time you will ever give yourself this next year. That 15 minutes is probably the most profitable time you'll ever give yourself. 
So there's what, about 150 people here this morning. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard an older person get to the end of life? And say something like, um, boy, I, I, I just spent too much time in God's word. Did you ever, did you ever hear something like that? I'm rather sure those believers don't even exist. I know one year uh, we had someone who hosted a pizza party after some of us read through the Bible that year. And it was probably an okay motivation. But, you know, rather puny compared to what God promises. <laughs> 